What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Week two of our Strings Attached sermon series. Last week, we jumped into 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to go back there in a minute if you want to go ahead and pull it up. A couple recaps from last week. We talked about how relationships can be difficult, but they don't have to be destructive. Amen? We also mentioned that the key to healthy relationships is knowing your worth and the worth of those around you. Amen? This week... I'm going to preach a sermon titled Killers. Turn to your neighbor and say, Killers. Some of y'all just tried to say it like you were in the mafia or something. (laughs) Killers. All right, I'm going to jump into the word. 1 Timothy chapter 5, right? Here is our scripture for the whole sermon series. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 1 says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The scripture for tonight, Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus simply says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Killers. Let's pray together. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to soak in your presence tonight. God, thank you that you showed up already and brought healing over hearts and minds. God, we just want to be in your presence tonight. Some of us bring heartache and hurt. Some of us are feeling all right, like it's been a pretty good week. (laughs) But God, I thank you that regardless of where in our life we can come to you tonight and encounter the love of God and gain five extra friends in the process. So let that be the key for tonight. Let this be a place where community can be built and where we can experience your love be transformed by the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... All right, where are my caffeine drinkers in the house? All right, there it is, there it is. Okay, my coffee people, right? You're like, you're one of those hipsters and you just love coffee. Okay, let me go another level. Where are my black coffee drinkers? Like, you like, you actually know where it's at. Oh, yeah. See, I have respect for you people. I had to start drinking black coffee in college because I couldn't afford other things. And that's how you get there. If people tell you that black coffee, you know, it takes a minute to get there, right? You just, you got to keep trying it and eventually you're going to get there. Well, what they really mean is when you're in college, you cannot afford a $6 caramel macchiato. So you just get a black coffee for a dollar and a half and you stay up all night and you get your homework done. Anybody else? Amen. All right, my coffee drinkers, but there's a whole other breed of people. Where are my energy drink people in the house? You notice you put your hands up, but you didn't shout. Because you're a little embarrassed about it. I can just, he said, no, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm totally fine with it. I had way too many energy drinks when I was younger, and my wife is like, yes, then it messed you up, honey. We need to stop doing that. Especially when I was in middle school and high school, me and my metal band buddies, we literally would mix different energy drinks. I don't know how we did not have a heart attack. There was one day that, or one weekend that my parents left us at home alone. I'll tell you the whole story later. But there was one weekend that my parents left us at home alone and we put a rock star punch in a humidifier. Okay. I'm telling you, it is a wonder that I did not have a heart attack and die. I think it was the protection of the Holy Spirit. So do not go home and test that on your own. 
If you do, like, you didn't hear it from me, right? <laughs> Put that clause on there. Do not try at home. But we made it through anyway. We drank a ton of energy drinks. Where are the people that you do it and then you stay up all night and you know that that's what you're signing up for? Like, my God, they, they get it. We used to do that and watch, we would watch movies all night. That, like, that's my youth, right? We were going to get a rock star punched or a Red Bull. I didn't really like the way the Red Bull tasted, but we would get them anyway just so we were hype and couldn't see straight. We would stay up all night and we watched random movies. I can remember getting in so much trouble one day. Because we lived out in the middle of nowhere in this neighborhood, and there was a shell station like a half a mile, three quarters of a mile down, but you had to go down the main road. And me and a couple of the guys were like, bro, I need a rock star. And of course, all the other guys were all 15, and we're like, yeah, bro, <laughs> I need a rock star, bro. <laughs> like, I'm hurting. We thought we were cool. We had no idea. We walked all the way down the sketchy, busy road, just to get our rock stars. I got back home. My mom was so mad at me. She was so mad at me, but we got them anyway. And then we got extras so that we could stay up all night, right? And watch more movies and just waste away in our youth. Cause that was what we totally did. I have all of these random fond memories of growing up with these guys. Anybody else? Like, yeah, we did the sleepovers and we did the fun and we did the hangout and we did the whatever. I want you to hear me. If you're in the room tonight and you say, you know what? I didn't have that kind of friendship. Welcome home. There is somebody in the room that will get energy drinks with you and stay up all night if you want it. No, 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 I know that sounds so silly and that sounds whatever, but I know not everybody was as fortunate as I was. Not everybody grew up with these goofy metalhead guys and was in a screamo band and did all that and y'all judge me anyway. Not everybody had that opportunity. Not everybody had that group, right? If you didn't have that group, if you don't have that group, you've got one now. Turn to somebody around you and say, welcome home. No, like you mean it. Turn to somebody you don't know super well. Say, hey, welcome home. We need that. Do you know that you need that? I look back at those memories when I was in youth and, and the youth group retreats and the friendships that happened and some of my most fond memories in life were just wasting time with some of my favorite people on the planet. You were created to have those kind of friendships. You were created for healthy bonds, for friends and for family to do life with, to do exactly that, to waste time. And it may not be energy drinks. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be energy drinks. <laughs> All my pre-med people are like, stop. Do not encourage this. Do not. <laughs> but you need family. You need community. Amen. But there are a ton of things that make that so stinking complicated. Amen. Tonight, I want to give you two things that will kill your relationships. Friendships, relationships, whether it's romantic or just hanging out, family relations, it will mess everything up. Two things, you ready? Point one, for my note takers in the room, unrealistic expectations will kill your friendships and your relationships. <coughs> When you build expectations, the reality will always disappoint you. So let me break the news to you. Your friends will never appreciate you at the level you want. Sorry. Your friends can't ever love you the way that Jesus can. So if you're looking for them to fill that void, swing and a miss. You cannot control how people see you. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. 
Expectations of your friends or about their role in your life can cause this nasty feeling that overcomplicates everything about friendships and relationships and life. When I was graduating high school, I shared some of this back in like April or May when we had this high school graduating class. So some of you that just graduated high school, now you're a few months into this and you're like, oh my gosh, he was so right. <clears throat> but when I graduated high school, again, back to the, the energy drink boys, right? My guys that I was drinking energy drinks with all the way through high school, we graduated high school and everybody went. Phew. I had a buddy that got married before he graduated high school. That's a whole other conversation. He had been my, like my boy, my best friend since seventh grade. Dude got married right before I graduated high school and moved all the way to Nevada. So I graduated high school and was like, where'd he go? <laughs> but I had a couple friends that I had made there in high school here at the youth group. So I was like, well, this is awkward. My boy's gone, but it's all right. Like we good, right? I'm, I'm good. I still got friends. It's going to be fine. Two years into doing life with this guy and him just being my guy, the new energy drink boy, right? Like we just, we brought a new guy into the gang and it was totally fine. Homie met the girl of his dreams, moved to Cleveland, went to Lee, got married. And I'm like, man, where'd he go? <laughs> where'd he go? Junior, senior year, y'all feeling so bad for me. Chill out. Junior, senior year of college, I had a buddy um, that I was doing life with. We were doing ministry together. We were traveling a ton. And he was the college guy. What I mean by that is he was the one I would stay in his apartment till three or four in the morning and we would eat thin crust Papa John's pizza while we watched Friends and did homework. It was one of those kind of things. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of those kind of things. We were a couple years into hanging out and then again, dude, God just dropped this incredible woman in his life and he got married. And at this point I'm going, man, my guys are dropping like flies. Cupid's taking them all out. And now I'm just hanging out, right? Trying to figure it out. Oh, but it's real. And I have to make a choice. Am I going to be happy for them? Am I going to pray blessing over their marriage? Or am I going to get bitter and frustrated? All of this starts with a healthy expectation of where your friendships are going to be. In the long run, you know what happened? These guys married some incredible women. And I, our friend group just got bigger. I have more people that pray and support me now than I did when I was in high school. But I had to be okay with the everyday stuff changing. Because things just, it changes. Life changes. Things get different. You graduate high school and you're no longer at the same school, 8.30 to 3.30 every day with the same people. Now y'all go to different schools. You have different class schedules. You have different work schedules. Somebody's dating somebody else. You're trying to figure out when to hang out. And instead of you sleep over every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, now it's like every three weeks you're trying to meet up at Starbucks to just catch up in life, right? Everything feels so different. You just have to understand that that's okay. Because things change and you just got to roll with it. Turn to your neighbor and say, roll with it. You cannot be so stuck on what used to be that you miss what's supposed to be because God is going to align things for your life as he's aligning somebody else's. So let me say it again. You can't be so stuck on what used to be that you miss what's supposed to be. Amen. If you lose people, let me reword that. You will lose people if you can't adjust your expectations. Because you'll get bitter and frustrated and walk around like nobody loves you at a time when you get to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life. Because you will hope that somebody reciprocates that for you. 
Because there's some married people in the room that dealt with that. That got married and were like, my friends won't hang out with me anymore. Life just changes sometimes. And that's a good thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, change is good. While you're at it, turn to your neighbor and say, comparison kills. If you ever heard the saying, the grass is greener on the other side, it's generally because you don't water your lawn. You have a choice for what you're going to do with the life that you have. You have a choice for what you're going to do with the life that you have. Seasons change, and that's okay. Philippians 4, chapter 12. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know, we quote this scripture all the time, but we almost always quote them separately, right? We come in and we quote like, man, I know what it is to not have anything, and I know what it is to be in plenty, and it's going to be okay. And then we Pentecostal people, we're like, man, I can do anything. Mm. I can fly if the Lord wanted me to, right? I could do all things through him who give me strength. But the context is I know what it means to have overflow. And I know what it means to be figuring it out. And I can handle it all because the Lord gives me strength. In the transitions, you will find out, if you haven't already, what it looks like when it's you and your six or seven people and you are your ride or die and everything's going good and everything's great. You'll also learn what it looks like where now it's been like a week or two and I didn't hear from those people the same way and you're dealing with the lies of whether or not they love me the same and all that stuff. You will learn what it is to deal with the ups and downs because you can do all things through God who gives you strength. Be careful not to make unfair expectations of the people in your life. You just got to let relationships be organic and authentic. Killer number one, unrealistic expectations. You ready? My note takers. Killer number two, unfair assumptions. Everybody deserves a chance at a fair assumption. Let me give you an example. You have to control your thoughts towards people. Luke chapter six, Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And here's another one to write down. In order for the relationships in your life to be healthy, you have to genuinely believe that people are more likely to do good in your life than they are to do bad. Let me say it again. In order for life to be good for you, for your relationships to be healthy, you have to have an optimistic view. You have to trust that people are more likely to love and be kind than to hurt and betray. And uh, I realize what that means. I've been through the whole bad relationship, rough friendship thing. I've had people gossip and share stuff about me that y'all just wouldn't believe. So I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have trust broken. But you cannot blame somebody else for what homeboy back here did to you. You do not need to put that on yourself and put that on everybody else around you because somebody else mistreated you way back when. It may have been a family member. It may have been a friend. It may have been whatever. But if you live life looking through this lens of people are more likely to hurt me, you are never going to have the community that you have got to have to do life. Jesus could have rolled those three years and done all of this just him. 
Him bringing these 12 disciples is an example of what life is supposed to look like. You're supposed to do life together, even knowing that Judas was going to betray him. You're supposed to do life together. You're supposed to bring people into your inner circle. You're supposed to trust people. And it's messy. Oh, my goodness. Friendships and relationships, there can be so much drama. And I get an amen. Amen. But you've got to control your thoughts towards other people. Because you will miss out on so much if you put other people's drama on the people God is actively trying to bring in your life. Actively, we can lay in bed at night and pray that God will open doors to be loved. God, I'm so alone, I'm so lonely. But then we come into a place like this and we won't talk to anybody. Not only do we not talk to anybody, but we very quickly go to a place of these people probably fake. They wouldn't love me anyway. They're going to betray me. In the short term. Whoa, 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 whoa. What if you're denying what God just answered? What if that prayer for friends and for community and for loved ones, he's trying to answer it and you just keep pushing away from it because you're putting the drama of the past on somebody else. Philippians 4 continued on, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The author says, whatever's true, think on it. So let me tell you, do you know what's true? God really loves you. God loves that. I'm not kidding. God loves that so much. When we're in the altar singing about how much he loves us, that little man standing next to me has no idea what's happening in his heart and mind. He has no conscious understanding of the truth that's being sung over him just hanging out in the altar. Do you know what's true? You are loved more than you know. I've got a mentor that used to say, you are standing in a room with people and you have no idea that they really love you. They really appreciate you. They really care. So do you know what's true? This place, these people like you. Not really. There's some people that are like, nah, I don't need that. I don't want to. No, 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 no. Get the gunk out of the way for a minute. Be a human and receive that. This is a safe spot. Not to be relevant, some cringy, it's a safe space. That's not what I'm saying. This is a safe spot for you to come in with all the mess and to just be a human that needs Jesus with other humans that need Jesus. And we'll deal with discipleship and growth and all the things and we'll get better and we'll grow together. And if there's stuff that needs to call out, we'll call it out. But it's going to be done as a family. And it's going to start with you understanding that you are loved more than you know. You matter more than you know. And you have got to let God heal that faulty thought process that will put you in a position to be all alone because you are not alone. So think on good things and remember that the God of peace is on your side. It genuinely is possible for you to love people and be loved by people without being so mentally strained by it. But that starts with assuming the best of people in the process. And I know that it's hard to not get cynical and hurt. It's hard to let go of the drama and the junk. But Psalm 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted 
and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is peace in these moments. <laughs> Again, Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Somebody needs to lean into this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You realize that's not just a passage. It's a promise. And it's an if-then. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. And then do you know what happens? The peace of God will be with you. Don't walk around anxious in the gunk. Don't all the things. Think on what is true, what is praiseworthy, what is just. Don't be anxious about all the noise. Keep your eyes on Him. Pray about it. And the peace of God will be with you. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Relationships would be a lot more simple if it wasn't for all the emotions involved. <laughs> but that's also what makes it beautiful. The vulnerability of sharing your mess with somebody else. Confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. There's a plethora of scripture for what it looks like to, to do life together, to link arms together. Last night we were praying for somebody on our main sanctuary worship team and uh, one of the, the team members said, hey, I just, I just feel like we're supposed to link arms right now. And myself and one of the other guys came alongside this leader and he said, you need to get your arm up under his because he's carrying the weight of the world right now. And I can't tell you what happened, but I'm just, I'm just here, just, just here, just like this. And I felt it. I felt this thing like come off of him. And I was like, oh my gosh, bro, like you're struggling. You've been carrying this for a minute. Do we do that? It's one thing to say, do you need that? But do you do that? Because we do. We have unrealistic expectations of how all these other friends should reach out and pray for us because life is just so hard. But when was the last time you reached out and prayed for somebody else? Unrealistic expectations and unfair assumptions, they will so quickly kill what God is trying to do in your life. Our theme for the whole scripture, right? Or for the whole sermon series, 1 Timothy Chapter 5, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Brothers and sisters do not always get along, but family is worth fighting for. Family is worth fighting for. Philippians 4 verse 5, one more from Philippians let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In the, the battle for forgiveness, in the turmoil and in the junk, let your gentleness be evident to all. Philippians 4, I don't know if you realize it, but we basically just read like all of Philippians 4. <laughs> Philippians 4, we, we quote these scriptures all the time. But it wasn't until recently that I realized that it is this beautiful manual for how to handle relationships. Don't be anxious about all the stuff. Bring it to God. Worship and pray in every situation. Think on good things and peace will be with you. Be content with what you have because God will give you strength in every situation. They are all intricately connected for how to operate in our hearts and minds. So you have got to guard from unrealistic expectations and unfair assumptions. But that starts in here. 
That, I, I've touched on it a little bit, but that starts with some healing. So similar to last week, we can, we can have all the, the good biblical principles for what it looks like for healthy relationships, but that is step two. Step one is always, yeah, but I was abused, and how in the world am I supposed to trust people? Hmm? Amen? Yeah, but I've been lied to, and I've been betrayed, and I have all the junk, and I'm not even really choosing to not trust people. It just naturally happens. So what do I do with all of that? I heard this story a couple years ago. <laughs> I'm going to have Jacob come on back out. I heard this story a couple years ago where... Um, this woman came into church on a Sunday and she said, she said, Pastor, Jesus came to my house. The pastor's like, okay, let's talk about that later in my office. Like that's, that's a whole other thing. By the time service ends, this woman has brought this entire group of congregation members together and she's telling them all about how Jesus showed up and was sitting in the living room with her. So obviously the pastor's intrigued. He pulls her into his office. He said, hey, tell me what happened. And she just started saying, yeah, he knocked on my door. It's crazy. He walked in. He sat with me. We had dinner. We talked. We cut up. And he's like, what? He says, if it happens again, tell me. A couple weeks go by. The woman rolls back in on a Sunday morning, and pastor realizes that all these people have surrounded her again. Sure enough, Jesus showed back up at her house. Hung out again, had dinner, drank some coffee, whatever, talked about life. He pulls her into his office. The pastor does. He says, okay. Next time Jesus shows up, if he comes to your house again, I want you to ask him if he remembers me. And then I want you to ask him what sin I struggled with in middle school. And in the pastor's head, he's like, I got this figured out. We need to deal with this because either it's real or it's not, but we need to squash this, right? He's trying to be a good pastor. Woman says, yeah, all right, sounds good, pastor. A couple weeks go by. Same situation. Woman comes back in. Things are hooping and hollering. Everybody's gathered around her to figure out what's going on. The pastor's like, oh, this is it. This is the time. He pulls her into his office. He says, hey, how'd it go? Did you ask Jesus the questions I gave you? And she says, yeah, I, I asked Jesus if he remembered you. And Jesus smiled and said, oh yeah, I love him. The pastor says, well, did you ask him what sin I struggled with in middle school? She, she stopped and she smiled and she said, I did and it was so funny. Jesus stopped for a second like he was really thinking and he said, you know, I don't remember. You know, the Bible says that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin so we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. Well, that's a lot of theology. But for those that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when God looks at you, He sees Jesus. Regardless of the mess, regardless of the past, He has radically washed you clean. But I want to read this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It is crazy hypocritical to worship a God 
that can forgive you of the worst thoughts you ever had and then to carry such unforgiveness for those around you. This whole thing of building healthy relationships and having healthy life is really all founded and grounded on knowing your worth and just being okay. If you're walking with all of this baggage behind you, everything is an issue. You see, the hurts and the junk that come against you in life, it's a lot more like an arrow than a bullet wound. It doesn't just go through and heal. It hits and it stays there. And then everybody that comes around you that touches on that wound, it hurt at the level that it did originally. You got to get that mess out of there so that you can trust again. Because without it, you're always going to have unrealistic expectations and unfair assumptions. So with heads bowed across the room, from the moment that worship started tonight there was an anointing for healing and we came out here and sang how he loves and I just I could it oh I almost didn't preach tonight because I felt such a tangible anointing for God to just heal you and heal me And no, that's not for somebody else. If you're in the congregation and you're going, no, I'm probably okay. He's not talking about that one thing. No, I am. I am. God wants to deal with that. Don't walk with a limp anymore. Don't carry drama into your future relationships. Don't carry mess forward. You can be healed tonight and you can love radically with reckless abandon. You can trust again. You can be healed in your heart and mind right now. right where we are. Nobody's singing yet. Nobody doing anything else. Heads bowed across the room. If you're here and you'd say, yeah, um, I've got something I need healing for, would you just throw a hand up so I can be praying? Amen. Hands up all over. Amen. thank you for the love of a heavenly father that can do heart surgery and things that we don't even fully understand and times of grief times of mourning times of hurt there are things that happen that we just don't understand and your healing goes beyond an antidepressant Your healing goes beyond good counseling, and I highly recommend it all. But your healing gets to the root of the problem and heals radically. So I thank you that the chastisement for our peace was on you, and by your stripes we are healed. In Jesus' name, heal that wound right now. Jesus name heal that wound right now right now under your breath I just want to encourage you to give it to Jesus 
Just tell him, Jesus, I give you that abuse. Jesus, I give you that relationship. Jesus, I give you that hurt. Jesus, I give you that addiction. Jesus, I give you that drama. Jesus, I give you the dad that didn't love me right, the mom that didn't love me right, the family member that abused me, the junk that has happened and I have just not been able to deal with it. God, I give it to you. I give you the frustration that I'm having. God, I don't understand the things that are going on in life. I don't know why this had to happen. I don't know why that happened, but I give it all to you too because I would rather trust you and have you near. We give it to you, Jesus. Give it to him tonight.